Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hope you're all out there having a nice little start to your week. You already know my name is Sean Oshadi, and we've got the whole gang here, y'all. Jed Mashu, even a little royal double dose, the Prince of Positivity, Alexander K. Lee, and the Prince of Darkness, Stephen Morocco. And y'all, we are here on this morning to talk upsets. Because as we wake up on Tuesday, I swear to God, somehow, someway, this is true. Sean Strickland is still sitting right here in front of us as the UFC middleweight champion of the world. This man, this man who was a reluctant plan B for the UFC, the guy who the UFC had to be convinced to even give this shot, who entered 2023 losing two straight, one of which he got completely colded in, and who 10 weeks ago was fighting in a very, very desolate UFC apex against a very, very unranked man who still actually doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. Y'all, that guy is now the king of the world. He is our number one middleweight, and he's probably like a top 10 star in MMA in terms of popularity. If you look at all the views that he's getting, uh, he's probably potentially a fight of the year for 2023, too. How can we even begin to put this into context? I have no idea, but we're going to try. Fellas, a couple days removed from all of this chaos, Sean Strickland, UFC middleweight champion. Is this sounding any more natural than it did on Saturday night? Are we still, are we still doing this? Are we still doing MMA? Is, is MMA still happening, Gene? I was, I was told, I was told, we wrote a lot of articles before UFC 293, and I was told if this happens, it's over. Like, we're just, it just it's over. No more talking about MMA. MMA makes no sense. We, there's definitely no pretending that any of us are experts and have any idea what we're talking about when it comes to MMA, because Sean Strickland just beat Israel Adesanya, and didn't just beat him. I mean, we're talking five round, no questions, no flukes. You heard him. He outstruck him for the majority of 25 minutes. It's very real. And I think the first thing I said when when we talked the next day, Shaheen, was, oh, by the way, Sean Strickland's the UFC middleweight champion. And we were just both like, it, does, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look right, but <laughs> it's deserved. And uh, it is reality. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> how do we follow that? <laughs> Wrap it up. It's, it's over. Just, it's here. It's over. This is the world we're in. It's happening. And, and, and you know, we're, we're in it for as long as it lasts, because I think as, as much as we all agree that this was a pretty seismic event, extremely unexpected, top five upset, we're probably going to get to that in a minute. But I think we would all also be on the same page that this is not going to be a long era, given, maybe. given the matchups that are out there. Who knows? But then again, point, right? you know, maybe this past Saturday proved, you know, that we know nothing. And it's going to be as long as Sean Strickland wants it to be. Here's what we do know. Um, regardless of what happens in the future, the past or present, 
the Sean Strickland era is forever because for the rest <laughs> of our lives, we will know the feeling of Sean Strickland being the UFC middleweight champion. Uh, he owns it now forever. This is the only timeline we live in. And in this one, Sean friggin Strickland is the champion. Yeah, I, I've, I've said this and I think I, I've, I've written it already that it's historical. Now, when you put when you think of when you look at the UFC middleweight title lineage, you have Anderson Silva, you have Israel Adesanya, you have Sean Strickland. They are in there. I'm not saying they're equal, but they're in there. No, nothing can separate Strickland from the, those names I mean, on that list anymore. Aren't they equal? They're they're all champions. <laughs> I, not, there's not I'm like not, a super champion title to have. It's just champion. And I think yeah. we can all agree, you there's, know, that you fighters know, get King better. King Henry V yeah. and King Henry VIII. <laughs> right. They're all both kings. That's right. And, you know, <laughs> fighters get better and better with every generation. So, I mean, you know, theoretically, can't believe we're doing this. My, <laughs> my favorite thing that I did in the aftermath of this is just a very quick list uh, of middleweights who haven't won the UFC title. Um, and it's really funny to be like, Yo Romero, Gegard Mousasi. Never UFC champions. Dan Henderson, never UFC champion. Sean Strickland, yeah, boy. <laughs> and that's the thing. This could end tomorrow, and for the rest of Sean Strickland's life, every article written about him will say former UFC middleweight champion. And that's just the reality of the situation. It's it's a crazy world we live in. Uh, so I wanted to do this because we have at the, at this on this podcast right now. I think we have more than three combined decades of experience within this sport. Maybe even four. I'm not sure where, where it totals out just here on this podcast alone. So I, I, don't, I didn't want this to just be some reactionary thing, which is why we waited a couple of days. I feel like we all have a good and healthy understanding of MMA history, of UFC history. And so when we try to put this into context, what we saw last Saturday night, whether this is the biggest upset of all time or where it ranks among the biggest upsets of all time, I think we can all of sound mind agree it's not the biggest upset of all time, right? Like that will forever be Matt Sarah versus GSP. That's the automatic number one. As wild as this is, this ain't that. This ain't this genuine journeyman grappler winning a title shot on a dumb reality show than just colding one of the greatest fighters of all time in three minutes and then never having a feat like that ever again. Like that's not, to me, that, that is still number one. Before we even get going, does anyone disagree? Is there an argument? Is there a case for this topping that? I don't think no. there's a reasonable one, no, but I, I won't make it. I don't think there's a reasonable <laughs> one. Here is what I will say, and this will lead us into the conversation, I guess. Um, and it may tip my hand in where I in, in some thoughts I'm going to put. Uh, this is very dumb and bad, um, you know, takery on my part. So sorry for that. Uh, everything exists in context. And the GSP Sarah upset still looks insane at, you know, this many years after the fact. It's still... They re because they fought, and when they fought again, it was like, oh, <laughs> that's still insane. This fight, we don't know what this upset means except for in this exact moment, and it's very big in this moment. Do not mistake that at all. But there is a world, there are several worlds where in a year, five years from now, this upset is considerably more impressive or considerably less impressive, depending how things shake out. Yeah, I've been thinking about, um, Israel Adesanya's place in, in, in the middleweight, in the pantheon of middleweights all time. And I don't know if you guys have been having similar thoughts about. Oh, I have. Whether, oh, I'm, ex oh, I'm excited for your thoughts. Well, no, this I'm just weird really because it makes you revisit see, things, right? People can't see this. You guys are salivating right now to, to <laughs> talk about this. 
Well, the, look, the, man, the, the if main... you let Sean Strickland become the champion, you're you can't be good. <laughs> you're just, no, you're... no, no. I think that's that's. I I don't think we can frame it in that way. Yeah, that's and that's my that's my main that that's the thing that I'm thinking through because is it just that middleweights are better now than they were in Anderson Silva's reign? Would Anderson Silva's reign have been as long in in today's UFC middleweight division? And you can't ask Shaheen that. He, he can't bring an objective <laughs> stance to this one. That's true. That's true. I can't be objective to that. It's 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 tough because, I, like you said, Jed, we're in the moment right now, right? Like if you some of these things look different with when you sort of know the afterwards. And I was I was thinking about this. What makes an all time upset? Like what makes these things feel more important or more significant than certain others? And to me, it, I, I was able to come together with like five elements i think that sort of brings together what makes an all-time upset one the pre-fight perception right the narratives before the fight the narratives leading into the event what people are saying and certainly there were a lot of them for this one two the odds the betting odds just straight up betting odds how how vegas and the bookmakers see things three whether there's some sort of unique circumstances that play into it think michael bisbing accepting the the fight on short notice even sean strickland sort of being this very deep plan B for the UFC and then blowing things up, that sort of thing. If there's something unique that you can wrap around this. And then the other two would be the way in which the fight actually played out. Because I think there's a very big distinguishing difference between going in there and doing a Matt Sarah of, hey, this is a flash knockout. This is very much something you can call a fluke. Or doing the Sean Strickland of, yeah, we just saw 25 minutes and this man broke this man and it was thorough and it was dominant. And I think a lot of us feel it would probably be the same if you do it again. And then the final piece to this, and that's the one we don't have for this, is how these two fighters fared afterwards, right? And to me, that's what, I, I don't want to keep revisiting it, but that's what makes the GSP Sarah thing so remarkable, which is we saw what happened afterwards to both those guys. Matt Sarah more or less retired pretty quickly afterwards after because he lost a couple more times and that was it. And George St. Pierre went on to be if not the greatest fighter of all time, the second greatest fighter of all time. He's he's in that GOAT conversation forever. So that's Also, colored, he mushed Sarah in the rematch. Just yeah. mushed him. <laughs> and that colors the way that you look at the sort of the, these upsets. Because I think when you, when you throw out the big upsets, there's a lot of similar um, examples that pop up, right? And let's, and let's keep this only UFC, because I think things get a lot weirder if you open this up to like Sokaju and... Fedor Verdum and some of the pride stuff and just Baby other slice. things out there. I have a whole list of Bellator upsets in front of me. Shane, what are you doing? Uh, all, all these uh, Division One champions that Bellator signed that lost. Bro, like their, I was their in the pro. building for one of the biggest upsets of all time when Bubba Jenkins lost to uh, Larue Burley. Burley. Larue Burley. There we go. Yep. I, that, Huge that upset. Like twenty Huge to one or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so for our purposes, let's keep it strictly UFC. And I feel like there's a few fights that always get mentioned in the same breath in this conversation, right? Nunes Pena, Bisbing Rockhold, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, Hennon Burrell, TJ Dillashaw, and maybe even Diaz McGregor, if you're feeling frosty and you want to throw that in there. A few of those don't feel like they really relate though, right? Like the Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey one, when people call that an all-time upset, I don't know that I necessarily agree because that was more... It felt in the moment like this was very real. If you sort of knew the game, you knew who Holly was, her background. And also just you look at the the aspect of how those fighters fared afterwards. And it's like, obviously, Holly would beat Ronda. That doesn't mean to me, that doesn't feel like an all time upset. Would you guys agree? So I'm going to quibble. I'm going to push back on that one. Um, 
I think that we, and I, I wrote about this a little bit today uh, in a separate topic that kind of interrelates here. I think we underrate that in uh, in the MMA media as an upset because of the things that you are saying. Um, because we are all operating under the assumption, a shared one, I'm with you, I think that Holly Holm probably just does the same thing to Ronda if they fought. We are all operating under the assumption that that is the case. And because of that, that is less of an upset than it is a, we just misevaluated the the perspective coming in. Where the truth is, Actually, maybe Ronda just had a bad night because it's not like Holly Holm went on to be this dominant fighter. She just has hung around being very good for a long time. And if they had rematched and Ronda goes out there and just thumps her and armbars her in round one, then I think we would look back at it. So that's sort of where I'm at on the context thing is like, I think we underrate that as a historical upset just because of the perceived reality after the fact. Um, and that's not necessarily fair to, to Holly Holm or her upset. It's number two on the topology list. I don't know if that is that underrating. I mean, that's 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 pretty high up there. I, I didn't realize that, it was that high on thing. Um, yeah, but that's like user generated, right? Like, is that just an amalgamation? Well, well that's, that's the thing. That that is a upset is, that I that's think that's not resonates much right? larger. No, yeah, with that's the, fair. Yeah, that's a it's a much larger public viewing upset than it is for you know the MMA media space, where I think most people write that one off entirely. And that was reflected in the odds as well, right? Like we look at the odds now is what I'm, I'm going by topology. It certainly uh, has the highest odds of anything. Yeah, we've minus mentioned. 1400. And that yeah. is, that is a definition of public, right? I mean, I don't know if it opened at that, but I guarantee lots of money came in on Rousey when that fight was announced. You know, okay. So it, let me it, find it, that for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you can find the uh, a chart. I, I would imagine it moved, right? She probably opened minus 12. Uh, I think it also closed closer than that. I thought yeah. but it moved me way to find it moved out but, the, the, the shove at the wins. Yeah, it has a lot to do with, again, just that, that you know, this is a whole other podcast, but that Rousey, which I think we already did, uh, the, 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 the fame of Rousey, the mystique of Rousey pushed that line and pushed the expectations to a somewhat unreasonable level. Plus one. Yeah, so, somewhat to, to um, Jed's point as well. I think people forget also how kind of uninspiring home looked in her first two UFC fights. She just was and not has looked since <laughs> has looked since. <laughs> she was just not a compelling challenger at the time but but it is true if it, it, it's it's documented there, there are prediction pieces there are probably if you dig through you know youtube archives uh a lot of pundits picking home as, as a very live dog for the reasons that you know we saw play out um, and i do think if they fight 20 times hollywood's that fight 19 times like it's just a bad it's the matchup match. yeah yeah maybe um, Maybe, I'm honestly yeah. not sure because I also saw like I, we saw how that fight and we don't need to relitigate the fight. Also, one fight later, I saw Holly Holm look um, completely lost on the ground against Misha Tate. So if Ronda can get one takedown, that might be all that is needed. But she did take her down in the didn't she take her down in the fight? I remember her running her face onto jabs. Uh, we all remember that. She actually did minutes. get a takedown. I think in the there first was a takedown and a quick scramble. And then, yeah. and then they were like, "Oh, this was like this is this that's it." And then, yeah, I think before home got in any serious trouble, but, she, she managed to get out. Either way, though, like I don't want us to get derailed too hard because to, just yeah. looking back at all of this and all of the fights that we've mentioned, it feels to me like there are a few that sort of fit all of maybe the different parameters that we've lined out here, and that would be obviously Sarah GSP number one. We don't need to keep mentioning it, but then. Nunes Pena, Bisbing Rockhold, and maybe Barrow Dillashaw, if you want to throw that in there. The rest just don't feel like they're at that same level. Sean Strickland was what, seven to one? Five to one? Something to like one. that? Five to one. I'm, I'm, yeah. We, we, when we did our pre fight prediction piece of, or not prediction piece, but roundtable piece of like, would this be the greatest upset of all time? 
I, just, I, I wrote that I thought it would be top 10 if it happened. But I, a lot of that was just because you didn't assume that the way in which this played out would be the way in which it played out, right? It would. I assumed it would be a wrestle fest or it would be a flash knockout. I just can't get over a couple days later. The way in which it played out was a 25-minute striking clinic domination. To me, this is top three, man. Like I think that's where I finally landed with it. I, on Saturday night, as I was writing my post-fight column, I think I called it top five. I think I've, I've put it in top three at this point. This feels... Other than GSP Sarah and Nunes Pena, I don't know that I could think of a more surprising outcome for me just in the way all of the factors combined the way in which it played out. So uh, I have it at number two overall. And I think that, that what you said right there is pretty key to part of this in that it's not just that the upset occurred. It is the manner in which it happened. And as I tried to piece this all together... Um, I think it's the least probable thing I have ever seen in a cage fight other than Matt Sarah, renowned BJJ artist with zero knockouts to his name, knocking out George St. Pierre. Um, I, I won't, that Nothing is ever going to beat that. I just honestly can't find a world someone's going to beat that. The fact that he went in there, if he had won, if Israel had stepped on a banana peel, you know, rolled his ankle, okay. The fact that he gave him a boxing lesson for 25 minutes elevates this to number two on the list for me with the major major caveat uh that that could entirely change in a year if sean strickland just leveled up because he's still only 32 he's working with one of the best coaches and camps in the sport and legitimately i went back and rewatched the fight it's the his best performance uh, it's a little dumb obviously but like a year ago he was getting led around the cage by the nose by alex Pereira and walking into punches and Israel Adesanya, who's a better, has better footwork than Alex Pereira, frankly, could not escape him. He is cutting the cage magnificently that entire fight, never overextending and getting himself out of position. He is just in Izzy's face, crowding him and taking everything away. It is a sensational performance from him. And it is possible that Izzy had an off night. After rewatching it, I am far less likely to believe that this is Izzy having a bad night and more likely to believe Sean Strickland's super prepared and better than we all thought. And that working with his camp, he's improved and he had a great fight. And maybe he's not going to be a long reigning champion. I don't, I would not bet on that, but I could absolutely see him winning a rematch the same way and, and maybe even putting one or two title defenses together. And if that happens and we look back on this, it's less of an upset as time goes by. It's more of a, oh, we weren't really aware of who Sean Strickland was going to become in the same way that Rafael Dos Anjos was just sort of an also-round who was talented and then was like, actually, I'm low-key one of the best lightweights ever. I just have, It just all came together a little later. And by the same token, and to end my part here, I think there's a really high likelihood, and I said this in the post-show, Izzy's over the hill, um, and we're about to find out in the next year or two. He's 34, but he has been fighting professionally for 13 years. It's around the time you start to see the drop-off. He has, I did the math, 113 professional fights across kickboxing, boxing, and MMA. Um, I don't know if anyone knows anything about numbers. 113 is a shitload of fights. <laughs> um, I think that's the the technical term, shitload. And that's not including camp and training. and that, that is just an infinite amount of mileage on the body. Um, what I saw on rewatch makes me really think that Izzy has passed his prime now. And so over the next year, I think it's pretty likely that we see Sean Strickland's good and getting better. And Izzy is past his best and, and declining. And so in five years, I think this probably goes down the list, 
But if they both retire tomorrow, this is number two for me, and it's going to stay there. Uh, I'm still struggling to put it in my top three, but that is a super compelling argument. I guess I'm I guess I'm still um, of that camp where like I need to see how it ages. But since, you know, we can't, you know, it doesn't certainly not an option right now. We have to evaluate it for what it is. Definitely the way it played out was shocking in real time. I, I will not be forgetting anytime soon how I felt watching that fight because you you I, I there were some people who had an inkling of how it might go and and i i think i was in the line with like winning a decision i think i saw the juliana pena style where let's say he just goes crazy utilizes you know a strong chin great cardio and just you know fights his way through the best that is he has to throw and you know breaks him down and and uh runs away within the last three rounds something like that, that that's what i thought maybe he takes a knockdown even in the one first two rounds but he did not get knocked down he barely got touched he did not have to go balls to the wall berserker. It was measured. It was controlled. He looked like the better fighter. I think I said this on, on to the next one that if you had not, if you did not know anything about their past, anything about either of these guys, you would have rightfully thought that Strickland was the champion coming in and that Izzy was like this overmatched challenger. What is he in there? That's how crazy that performance is. So uh, I, I, I understand the, um, the, the desire to put in the top two but i think for me top somewhere in the top three but for me of course sarah gsp blah, blah blah i can't quite put it over bisping rockhold either and can't quite put it over pena nunez though it's very close it's very close to pena nunez the bisping rockhold one i just have to i love talking about the circumstances fight because i gave bisping no chance i would say even less of a chance because I don't know what the I wasn't maybe I wasn't working in MMA at the time. I was certainly wasn't with MMA fighting. I'm not sure if if the team then did a lot of uh, here's how Bisping can win. Oh my gosh, how crazy would it be if Bisping won? I have a feeling it was so remote it wasn't even worth writing about. As opposed to now, where with the Strickland stuff, people can go again look at MMAfighting.com. Our fight week coverage, our pre-fight coverage. A lot of it is oh my god, what if this happens? Is this going to happen? How's this going to happen? So we kind of braced ourselves, and when it finally happened, I was just like blown as blown away as anyone but i was like man what we'd envisioned some weird scenario where this can happen just not exactly how it did um but with something like uh bisman and rockhold we'd seen them fight rockhold annihilated him bisping's not a knockout artist. he's not a one-shot knockout artist he's a guy who's a lot of knockouts tkos you know via strikes but for him to just cold rockhold like that was was insane it, it, it just eye. With, with one, one eye. eye. Now we know, and that's talking about uh, uh, being able to look back at fights in context with one eye. So that was that one's always going to be up there for me. I still can't believe it. I still, I, I sometimes I've watched replays of that fight, and I'm like, oh, Rockhold wins this one too, right? Like in my mind, it was like, yeah, I mean, Rockhold's clearly going to beat him because um, we've seen it. We know what it looks like to see Rockhold beat Bisping, and then the drop off, I guess, has made it uh, not as great. You know, Bisping at least managed to defend the title a couple yeah. times. Rockhold just never looked anywhere near as good as he has in that uh, the Weidman fight. Also, then, nobody apparently had ever thrown a single left hook at Luke Rockhold prior to Michael Bisping. <laughs> How could he know? Jeff? Because from that moment forward, <laughs> everyone did, and he always got knocked out <laughs> by them. They found, yeah, Bisping, he found he broke the code. And, a left uh, hook. That's Pena, all it took. Pena and Nunez. A thousand it, techniques it, in MMA, and that's the one you choose. Sometimes <laughs> the left hook is the most overlooked of all the techniques. Well, now it's the jab. I don't it's know. If the basics, man. We shot with yeah. Sean. Sometimes so that's exactly what it is. You know, you so we're yeah. clear. Yeah. Sean Strickland just won using exclusively a one-two and a yeah. push game, and it was fine. He he hurt him with the one-two. That was so crazy. And uh, a, a modified Randy Philly won shell. The belt. <laughs> 
when Randy beat Chuck and it was like, holy shit, he used straight punches. It was <laughs> incredible. Great. How's he doing this? Uh, Pena Nunez, it gets the benefit of, you know, we view Nunez the greatest women's fighter of all time. She defended two titles. You know, we can now sort of think about, well, how strong are those two divisions really? But that's not Pena's problem. That's not Nunez's problem. Statistically, it looks like a great upset. It looked like a great upset in the moment. Nobody, nobody, Jed, that I know of predicted that Pena would win. I Surely I would have heard about it by now if someone had predicted a Pena victory. Uh, but I've never heard anyone mention that. So, Shaheen, I'd, I'd like you to input the audio. Of the <laughs> oh, just insert. It just Jed right here. Prediction. I, but, 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 but I agree, though. Yeah. Pena, Pena, for me, still rises above this because it has close. the same element of the matt sarah thing where like mm-hmm. to beat a goat like an actual goat in that way like a stoppage like a very decisive way like that's i don't know that to me is like a different level of this. yeah and, and nunez dominating the rematch only makes the upset even better right it only actually increases the the uh the power of the upset in a way right can i make two arguments against of nunez? course um very quickly the first is um, it's hard for you to call something the biggest upset when you personally predicted it, because then it's it's not oh my an upset. God, you just couldn't help um, yourself. You just couldn't. couldn't. Help. <laughs> I simply could not. Uh, and the second one is, I think the rematch. While I totally get the arguments there, I watched the rematch, and that whole rematch long, even when Amanda was dribbling her skull off the canvas, I was like, man, um, there's still really a world where she just gasses herself out beating the brakes off her because there were times like Julian Pena never was anywhere other than in her face. And I mean, getting whomped, but I was like, ah, man, it doesn't cool out. She's going to do the same thing over. So that still doesn't even feel like that. That upset loses some because I still always thought that was a way for it to happen. And it just did happen. And if they fought a hundred times, I think it still would happen the same way every time. If that makes sense. So AK, what? you end up. Where did you end up? I guess like, I'm comfortable putting it fourth. I'll put it fourth again. You can make an argument for top three. It's it, for me. It's really co- close with the Pena Nunes one. Uh, Pena, I think. I guess it gets the edge because I think, as far as contender wise, I hold her in even lower regard than Strickland. Strickland's a pretty like good middleweight and like top ten. Pena, I think, was ranked highly. I guess in the UFC rankings, but that's really by default because bantamweight is a women's bantamweight is a wasteland. Uh, so uh, that that's that's really the interesting for me is I I do think Strickland's credentials on paper now now that you look at it you're like oh that does kind of look like a champion's resume other than the straight losses right going back and relooking at Sean Strickland's just resume if you just want to look straight resume like I it's one of those things the Alex Pereira knockout like threw everyone off the scent so hard right because that was just that's one of the most embarrassing knockouts of the last several years in the way in which it's the funniest thing. I know you love it to death, but it's just like, if you take that one result out of his whole entire Wikipedia page, the rest kind of looks pretty good, right? Like you have a loss to Camaro in there. You have a loss to Capoeira. And and then that's kind of it. The split decision with Jerry Cannonier, the rest are just wins. Like it's not a bad resume. If you, the Alex Pereira one threw us so hard off the set. That is just, it colors the way we talk. We talked about all of this. I feel like it was inescapable. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, like the Pereira one, uh, the Pereira one dictated the entirety of the discussion because it was really, really bad. I would push back on the idea that Strickland's resume is like great or whatever. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of losses, but he doesn't have a lot of wins. <laughs> that are that are meaningful or, or substantive either so it it just 
that's what I'm saying, man, though. This is huge. It's, it's the biggest one in the moment other than Sarah GSP for now. And I think that that will change and can, but that's why I have it too. So I, I would say, and I'm actually surprised we haven't brought this up before, but for me personally, the bigger upset here in the middleweight in the history of UFC middleweight is Silva Weidman. And we haven't, I don't know so? why we, yeah, because he was the goat, the middleweight goat. He if we're factoring ten, in method, he, he was really ten, old though. Well, he had 10 title defenses and 11. I stand on 11. Travis Luter's a title defense just because he was fat. Doesn't take that away from Anderson. All right, fine. 11, uh, 11, 11 title defenses. I remember very clearly. I, I kind of have an emotional connection to that. This one, because maybe it's this. This may be why I picked this one. But I remember telling my friends, I don't think Anderson Silva is going to lose. Like, I think he will be undefeated for all time. Boy, was that wrong. And that fight was such a huge turning point. Like things never got back to where they were. Now, the thing that messes with me a little bit now is like, what if Anderson Silva was actually trying that night? What if he wasn't goofing around and doing his thing? Like, how does the timeline change with that? And how does that change, you know, the the uh, overall uh, impact of that upset relative to Strickland and Adesanya. Um, but, you know, to me, that's, that's ahead of it. And, and on the all time list, I would agree that everything's pretty much on the mark. I would put it at top five. I would put it at number five above Rockhold and Bisping because of the, both of their tenure as champions that maybe what I'm trying to say here is that I, 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 I weight that pretty heavily in my consideration, um, the tenure as champions, the way it came together, the, the, you know, the careers afterwards. But to me, uh, uh, you know, Silva Weidman was, was way bigger competitively. Um, and then I put it just below Nunez and Pena, Pena because Amanda Nunez, again, a goat uh, of the sport and getting dethroned by somebody with a very mediocre resume. So I have it as I have it at number five. That's fair. I don't know that I don't know that I can get there with you in that regard, though, because I've always just looked at that fight so weirdly because like Anderson Silva tricked us all for so long. Like he's my he's my favorite fighter of all time. I love the guy to death, but like he was almost 40 when that happened. Right. Like he, the, his his ability to do that that late into his career was so unprecedented that it, I remember going into that Weidman fight and Weidman has all these credentials of all the wrestling feats that he had pulled off. He was like this master grappler. Like there, there were real vibes coming out of that camp of like, this is, this is the guy he's, he's supposed to, he should have been the guy. But Silva it didn't just, try. But like Chris, but Chris <laughs> Weidman wasn't but, even a two to one he, underdog, you know, uh, but like he that did was, try. Steven, yeah. I, I have to push back on did. that because he goofs off in all of his fights. So that's what I've told people. Uh, but he so, really goofed off in this one. No, yeah, he got caught. That's not why he, that's not why he goofed off. He goofed off because he believed he was invincible. No, well, he, he goofed he, off. Yeah. He and goofed and off a lot of reason. He, he had yeah. a lot of reason to believe he was invincible. He's just coming yeah. off of the the Stephen Bonner fight. Yeah, <laughs> he goofed off because yeah. Chris Weidman was being defensively responsible, and he couldn't get him to do stupid stuff yeah. like like Stephen Bonner did or whatever. This is so he's trying to goad him into it, and then you know, chickens roost. Here you are. Yeah, I have I have to use the Jed. Uh, I can't call an upset because I I called this one. Uh, 
thing here because this is and there's a whole there's a, 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 a several dozen people at a boston pizza in in uh in markham who can vouch <laughs> that i had called this because i was insufferable when i was watching this fight at that boston pizza i'm sorry like, i told you all did you I call left you hook larry is that what you were like yeah he's gonna knock him out with a lefty or no i just said wide would win they don't need to know what by yeah. what method or um, steven I'm with your argument um, if we're factoring in the method. I'm actually totally down on this argument because I would have bet all of my money that Chris Weidman wasn't going to knock out Anderson Silva. No, so if we're no. factoring that in, absolutely think yeah, that that's a great I, call. I, I thought grappling had to come into play. I thought this is finally the guy who's going to exp- expose you know, Silva's supposed like ground week. Well, I guess we saw in the Chelsea Onan fight first, and then we thought, well, Weidman's going to do that, but even better, right? Um, but the other, the other big thing that separates this from the upsets we've mentioned is I think we have, to, I think people forget how hyped uh, Jed, you kind of touched upon it, how hyped Weidman was that Weidman was hyped as a future champion. He was like, this is a guy who he wasn't no. even a two to one underdog. Yeah. Like I think was, the were, odds were crazy close. I think people were a little skeptical that he'd be the one to dethrone Silva for sure. For of course, they're skeptical about anyone dethroning Silva, but he was, he was pegged as like, this guy's going to be the next big thing. He's got this big, huge pedigree that this background. So um, that's very different from Pena. Bisping, who is Bisping, who leads the list of guys we thought would never, ever, ever become champions, uh, with Sean Strickland also in there. Matt Serra, again, not even in the championship discussion until he won a reality show. So that's that's probably one thing that keeps the Weidman thing down. But I mean, the name he beat is was, I mean, huge. It was just crazy. We need a chart. We need to do yeah. a chart of all these five different factors and then like sure. submit our <laughs> charts. <laughs> Infographic. Because, because I feel, and then, and then decide how we want to weight them because... Mm-hmm. I think there's some obviously some arguments to be made. Stephen, uh, I love this idea for for the for the comparative weight of all these different factors leading into these fights. And I mean, there, listen, there's no doubt. I mean, Strickland, you know, Adesanya, it's up there. It's definitely up there. But is it is it top top two? I don't know. That's that seems like a stretch to me. I think the one that I had the hardest putting it over and I'm, I still am going back and forth and it might end up being one of those things where Jed, you mentioned this. And I think this is a big, a good point where in the moment right now, this is, this could end up being a TJ Dillashaw, Hennon Burrell thing where years down the line, it's just Sean Strickland's got a couple title defenses and is like a pretty damn good middleweight. And like, that's just sort of who he is, right? Like that's a very possible scenario from all of this. He's still very young and Eric Nixick is one of the best damn coaches in the entire world. It's just the Bisbing thing is tough for me to put it over Bisbing. And I think that's where I'm waffling back and forth on calling it a top three or not, just because that dude had one eye. We knew who Michael Bisbing was. His career was written like it was done. It he was lost to Rockhold. Rockhold annihilated him the first fight. It wasn't even close. It was not even close. I'm just stuck on Steven's idea for a radar chart of these guys with all of the. Like, I can uh, see you uh, beautiful minding it. I can see the the or uh, rain manning it the, or the odds here and the public perception yeah. and just all this like all right who's got the most the closest to a circle in their chart. <laughs> Real I love quick. this idea, Stephen. <laughs> Real quick, I was I would do I do just want to note too one thing before we get out of here. I, 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 it's just funny to me because this Alex Pereira Israel Adesanya thing is so strange at this point, right? Because you look at this result, Alex Pereira is kind of just done everything that Israel Adesanya wasn't able to do, right? He beats Sean Strickland in spectacular fashion. He beat Yambakovitz. He's doing the light heavyweight thing successfully. Their dynamic is just one, one glory of, kickboxing titles. Yeah, one glory, one two different glory kickboxing titles. Their dynamic is forever to me one of the most interesting and bizarre 
things I've ever seen in any sport ever not even just combat sports just everything like how intrinsically linked they are on so many different levels and like alex helped out sean for this and gave him advice for it. just the levels to which this goes the iceberg is so deep it's just it's it, it blows me away man every time um alex barrera might be the greatest combat athlete of all time i'm sorry <laughs> to henry cejudo and your fictional story that you tell yourself about being that um, this man, everything he touches turns to gold. He taught Sean Strickland how to knock out. It's <laughs> mm -hmm. like, Hey, come work with me for a week. And suddenly instead of being this, you know, pillow handed, you know, decision machine, I'm just going to teach you how to punch hard. And then you're going to knock the hell out of Abus and you're going to drop Izzy in round one and put it on him. He's, I don't know what, um, dark arts he's working with, but I would like to train with Alex Pereira for a week. Because who knows where I could go? And don't, let's not even talk <laughs> have, about if we get Casey with you, Alex Jim. Pereira. We get EKC Lyden with Alex oh, Pereira. You're oh. done. Oh, you want, to you want a fatality in the cage. It's not, not ready for that. It's a wrap. Not ready for that. Um, it's not it's not prayer related, but I'll, I'll be Mr. This my last thing I'll say is I'll be Mr. Diplomatic here and just say uh, as much as I will, of course, we'll always put the C Sarah GSP thing above all else. It's crazy that Strickland at Adesanya is comfortably in the discussion. Like, I, if someone tells me they think this Forever. is the greatest, if someone tells me they think this is the greatest MMA upset they've ever seen, I'm not going to go, "What? You're insane!" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." There's a very strong case for it. This is the greatest upset we've seen in MMA. Um, again, we'll have to wait to see how it ages. It, it could age even better. It could age worse. But it is n absolutely not crazy to say it. I don't care if you've been watching MMA for five years, ten years, twenty years. If you saw this end of the moment and you said to yourself. I can't believe it. I've never seen anything so shocking. I'd be like, justified. Uh, we can argue about this another time, but it's 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 certainly justified. So, and I I did not think I would be saying that heading into Saturday. Even, no matter how Sean Strickland won, except, except for the way he actually did, all the other scenarios I'd imagined, I'd been like, no, no, no way. There's a case for number one, but there is a strong strong case for it. It's it's utter. It's it's it continually like as we the days move forward, it continually just keeps reoccurring to me that this this played out in the way it did and it just blows my mind every time last thing on this and we can end here if that fight ends at the end of round one if that's just it sean strickland round one knockout that's how it's in the books are we having this same discussion or is this a different type of discussion is this a differently framed discussion do you think i don't think it's that different if it's if he finished him the way that he almost did set it up set him up for a one two clocked him with it and if he just you know gets gets another shot in there and puts him away or is able to you know push just keep that flurry going just a little bit longer so the ref has to jump in i think we're not as surprised as we are now but i think we still regard it as a shocking win because when i when i'm talking punches chance i'm thinking like he catches izzy with something like out of nowhere catches him with a counter catches him making a mistake this was a he walked him down and set him up and looked like he was going to put him away and that is almost as shocking as the five round decision i would concur with that yeah, I think that, you know, anyway, you slice it, it's pretty shocking. But um, if, if it had been in the first round, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like AK said, like a phantom punch or, you know, anything that was like crazy, a wheel kick or something like that. You know, it was pretty, pretty solid technique, which, as it turns out, is pretty, pretty beneficial in these UFC middleweight title fights. Who would have thought? I think the uh, tenor is the same, but the texture is different. You know, I think it's still, hey, this is a major upset. What happened? I think the conversation veers much more to um, can Sean Strickland hurt people now because he knocked out Avis, now he knocked out Izzy. Like, is, does he have power now? Because that 
that would change him as a fighter. And hey, is this is his chin going? He's been knocked out in two of his last three fights. So um, I think those parts of the conversation change it, but I think it's still the rest of this is all the same. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sean Strickland, middleweight champion of the world. No matter how many times you say it, it's uh it's still a little bit weird to the tongue. I love this sport so damn much. These these nights, these these weeks, these after these results, these aftermaths are just what makes this the best damn sport in the world and the most unpredictable thing that you will ever see. None of us know anything. That is the key takeaway from all of this. Don't listen to anyone who says they know anything about MMA because they're lying to you. None of us know anything. This is very dumb. And when human beings fist fight, weird things happen. Uh, well, I've really enjoyed this today, gentlemen. I think this is going to be really interesting to, to follow moving forward and see where this ages, right? Because who knows? There's a world where Sean Strickland rattles off title defenses against DDP, Hamzat Shemaev, Bo Nickel, and all of a sudden we're talking about Sean Strickland in a completely different pantheon than we ever thought. That is on the table now. My name is Sean Oshadi for AK, for Jed, for Steven. This has been the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Keep it locked. We love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.